Acts 16, 6 through 10, and this is the word of God. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia and attempted to go into Bithynia, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there in his dream, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them there. I remember the first time or when I was getting acquainted with this passage, I was just very infatuated with this man of Macedonia idea. You know, I was a pretty new believer, and as a new believer, I really wanted to to know what is God's will. You know, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? And so the idea of God specifically saying, come over to this place and do this uh, was a very attractive idea. On the one hand, I thought, man, God really loved those people to wave the Apostle Paul over to them when he was trying to go somewhere else. But, but it also was the specificity. And, you know, my heart was toward God, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if you could just have that specificity? And you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that thing would not fail because that thing would be called by God himself very specifically and there would be no doubt about it. When you went through all your trials, blah, 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 it's going to be okay because the man of Macedonia in the dream, God called me here. Well, that's great. And the man of Macedonia turns out to be one of the key moments in history and, and certainly one of the key moments in Western history. But years later now, I don't quite see this just the same way. That's a good thing, by the way, as, as you uh, learn and grow. Uh, and I want you to know that, frankly, I've been wrong about a lot of things. And I've had to change my mind as I've, as I've learned things. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then we grow in our understanding of things. And, and years later, I don't see just the extraordinary act of God you know, in this dream, but you know what else I see now in just technicolor? Is I see the everyday faithfulness of Paul to be made ready for this call. And I see something very encouraging to anyone here who would like to follow the Lord in your life. If that's what you're, if you want your life to be about, you want to follow the Lord, this is very encouraging. And there's three things that I want to encourage you with this morning. They are, we need to stay steady, we need to stay soft, and step by step, God will guide us. Stay steady, stay soft, and step by step, God will guide us. And the first thing is this, this steadiness. Stay steady. You know, Paul's life must have felt like a pinball sometimes. I mean, maybe we don't get that because Paul's, Paul's got such a great attitude about the fact that he gets beat up over here and stoned within an inch of his life there. He's run out of this town. He's forbidden to go in that town. You know, he's just all over the place. And, and you know, I guess if the Apostle Paul were a complainer, we would get more of a sense of, of just what a, a pinball his life probably felt like. But you know what Paul does? Paul just keeps going, doesn't he? 
He just keeps going. And, and here in our text, he is forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go into the province of Asia. Now, the province of Asia is not like Asia. You know, it's not like India or it's not like the gospel's going to India. It's, it's where Ephesus was. It's kind of in, it's one, it was one of the provinces in modern-day Turkey. Um, the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go into Asia. And so he goes north to Bithynia. No, you're not going. The Spirit of Jesus forbids him to go into Bithynia as well. And so what Paul does is he just goes where he can go. And he just keeps doing what God's called him to do as a believer and as an apostle. I love this about Paul. Paul doesn't have to know all the answers on the front end. Paul doesn't have to have a mystical experience to feel good about what he's going to do because Paul is going to be faithful to what he already knows God wants him to do in his life. So, what does it mean to be forbidden by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus uh, not allowing them to go? We don't know. It would been great if, like, Paul would have put a footnote somewhere there and said, here's exactly what that means. I mean, that could mean that they had a, you know, Paul or, or Silas or somebody had a, a sense about from the Holy Spirit that they weren't supposed to go in there. I mean, this could be some opposition that we're not told about. This could be a road that's washed out for all we know. That they weren't able to go there. Uh, we don't know exactly what it means. But what we do know is that God doesn't tell Paul where to go at this point. And Paul is just steady. He's going to do what he's called to do. Do you need to know the future before you can go? Or can you just be simply faithful to the Christian life? Faithful to who God's put you with? To love them? To minister to them? Open to what God might want you to do? You know, the, the best guidance that we ever get really... In our, in our life with the Lord. It's just through everyday life. You just got to believe that. There's just something in our culture that, that downplays the ordinary and lifts up the peak experience, the mountaintop experience. But you know, God normally guides us right there in ordinary life. Now, by the way, I love peak experiences. Don't, I, this isn't a diatribe against peak experiences. But it's just to say, we don't need a man of Macedonia to walk with God. And just by faith, walking with Him, just, just seeking Him in the midst of His grace and love and, and seeking to be obedient to His Word, the best things in life that are happening all over the kingdom right now aren't happening through a few special individuals. They're happening in neighborhoods and in families. I mean, all over the world, multiplied by millions, the love of God is going forward today through ordinary lives. They're happening as people cross the street and, and ask that neighbor how they're doing and, and enter into that life. They're happening when somebody walks three cubicles down in the office. That's what's going on. That's where Christ is really being, really being seen in the world today. You know, I, I know that our culture downplays the ordinary um, in favor of more of the mountaintop experiences, but we frankly just don't learn to love and minister as much on a few mountaintop experiences than we do in the midst of daily patience and daily kindness and daily love. You know, most of the change that happens in our life is slow arcing change, isn't it? I mean, 
You know, we, we'd like to have the, you know, the go, go find the book at Barnes & Noble that'll kind of fix you overnight. You know, the four-week program that'll fix you overnight. That's not the way God works. God works in the ordinary. You want to know what God's will is? It has to do with just being steady in the ordinary. I'll give you a great example from Scripture, and that's Moses. All right, you think of Moses, what do you think about? Well, some of you may be thinking he's the deliverer that led the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. He faced mano a mano, the, the greatest tyrant in the known world, Pharaoh. Some of you might be thinking he was like the next in line to be Pharaoh. <laughs> he was the prince of Egypt. But I'd like to not even think about those as much. There's this whole middle, it's like 40 years, almost 40, I mean, not exactly, and 40 years. There's this whole middle period of Moses' life where as this prince of Egypt, uh, he does understand that he's Hebrew and he does, he's not really led by God. He actually takes matters into his own hands and kills an Egyptian, buries him in a shallow grave, is discovered and he's banished out to the desert of Midian. And he just disappears for 40 years. That's a long time. So these are kind of the lost years of Moses, right? No, no. These are the years of steadiness and walking with God. You know what Moses did in the desert of Midian? Loved his wife and his kids. Loved God and went to work every day to be a shepherd. <laughs> That's it. And it is in that experience of the dailiness of just walking with God and that is the will of God and growing in grace, growing in knowledge of God, growing in the ability to love, becoming more open to the Father that He is molded and prepared for the burning bush experience. Now He's ready for the man of Macedonia, if you will. But, it, but it's by staying steady, it's by this dailiness of life that He becomes ready. You know, life is like that. Someone described war as uh, interminable periods of absolute boredom punctuated by short moments of sheer terror. And that's true. You know, when you're in a war, you're just kind of waiting and waiting and digging a trench or doing what you're doing, and then suddenly the bombs start showing up or they blow the whistle and it's time to move out and load up and, and go, you know, and, and there's the sheer terror. Uh, war's not all... Uh, the fight scenes, you know, uh, of the battle. And life's like that, too. Life's just a lot of ordinary stuff. If you're a mom, life's like a lot of diapers. And dads, too, I trust. Um, you know, if you're a teacher, life looks like teaching. If you're a student, life looks like studying. If you're an apostle, life looks like preaching. It looks like just being steady. Keep going. So what if you get bounced out here? You get bounced out there. So what if you don't know where to go? You know what God wants you to do at least. You just don't know where. And it's just, it's just that steadiness. And Paul just says, okay, let's, let's just keep going west. This seems like the only direction we're allowed to go right now. So let's do it. We need to represent Jesus with what He has given us rather than always musing about what he might want to do. We miss a lot of life musing about a lot of things. It's okay to muse, but when it substitutes for just loving the Lord and loving the people in our life and speaking the truth in love, that's not how you find God's will. 
to sit around thinking about what you might do. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Colossians 3.17, these are two really wonderful verses in kind of what's called the world and life view, just the way of looking at the world of how we glorify God in our ordinary life. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. And then 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, notice the ordinariness of this, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so Paul's like a pinball, man. I mean, we don't really feel that negativity. We don't see him reacting. We just see him being steady. It all starts in the, in the heart attitude uh, of this man who, who wants to just follow God in his, in his ordinary life. It all starts in the heart attitude of us saying, God, I love the life that you gave me. Or at least I'll be faithful to it. You know, I'll I'll love the people who are in front of me. I would love for you to show me other folks. I would love for you to give opportunities. And if you want to send them out of Macedonia to tell me specifically to do something else, that's great too. But we just need to stay steady if we're going to find the will of God. That's encouraging to me. But secondly, we need to stay soft. And, And the metaphor here I'd like to use is like clay. You know, so God can mold us. I use the word flexibility, but as I studied the passage, uh, it turned out that I, I was, uh, you know, I try to study it without reading the scholars or the commentators first. turns out they, t- they talked a lot better about it than me. I use flexibility. They use moldability, most of them. You see, in the ordinary, God not only leads us, but he makes us more the person ready for the next assignment. Whatever that is, he shapes us. Molding clay. When was the last time you played with some excuse me, modeling clay? When was the last time you played with some modeling clay? I love modeling clay. I hadn't played with it near long enough. Uh, I mean, it's, near, it's been way too long since I've played with modeling clay. Uh, probably like decades. But I used to love modeling clay and uh, Play-Doh before that in my early childhood uh, because you can shape it. And you know, modeling clay, what's interesting about it, you know, think, I want you to think about a cylindrical, fresh, modeling clay. Nobody's ever put their hands on it. It's really soft. And you know, I'm talking about when it comes out of the, out of the can, at least that's the way it used to come out back in the 70s. Um, maybe it doesn't anymore, but you know, nobody's there ever, ever molded it. And man, it's just so soft. And you mold it a little bit. You, you make a dog or whatever you want to make out of it. Uh, you, you ball it back up if you don't want to like a dog to like turn rigid into a dog and dry out into a dog. You mold it back, you put it back up in a ball, you stick it back in the thing and put the lid on it. Why? Because you want to play some more. And the whole idea with modeling clay is to just keep molding it and to keep it being soft. You leave modeling clay out for three days, what happens? It's not going to be molded anymore. It's just kind of set. And I think the question for us is, is, okay, you know, are we, we going, man, Lord, I, I just wish I was living another life or, you know, I see so-and-so's life. I want to live so-and-so's life. And, of course, there's a big celebrity culture deal that goes on in our culture at large, you know, where we want to live other people's lives. Can we just live our life faithfully? And, and then the second thing is, is are we just so set? We're not soft toward God. You know, for, for Him to mold us and Him to shape us. Do we want a daily fresh relationship with God and for Him to shape our lives. Um, 
how moldable are you? Apostle Paul is very moldable. He's just getting bounced around. He never knows where he's going. He's okay with that. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to live for Christ. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. So what if I even get killed? Lord, you shape me. I mean, this guy, you know, he came to Christ pretty late in the game. He was very dramatically converted. He was given a very specific call. And so he has a deep desire to become a person that God can use, to be molded. And he was an apostle, but he wasn't an apostle like the other ones. He didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't see Jesus during Jesus' life. He, he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm like one who is abnormally born. And you can read into that. God, God's had to teach me a lot lately. God's had to shape me a lot lately. I love that attitude. I love that humility in the Apostle Paul. Yeah, he's type A. But he's just very open. You know, he's just very moldable in his life. And, 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 and I think about our lives today. And I think about how, and this is a struggle for all of us, how super fast, low margin lifestyles don't lead to a lot of flexibility. See, when I say are you moldable, I'm not just asking are you like intransigent before God? Are you pushing back? I'm, some, sometimes maybe we're asking, is your life just filled with stuff uncritically? So there's just not a lot of margin to be shaped in. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and, and the reason I know this, and that's kind of a high control type life, and that doesn't lend itself to a lot of flexibility or moldability, because how frustrated do you get when things change? How frustrated do you get when something unforeseen comes into your life? Why are you so mad? Because, see, if we were more moldable, we'd say, okay, that's God molding us. But if we're just like flowing in this like whitewater rafting river of our own making, we're like, God, I can't handle any of that. Can't you see I'm already up to here? And God's like, yeah, I see it all right. We need some molding. We need some flexibility into that life. Um, This needs to be more of an adventure with me, God is saying, rather than just your excellent adventure. And so I think in modern life, it's, I think it becomes harder just because of the sheer speed of life. Do you agree with that? And, and I don't think that we're like trying to like dodge God. I just think there's so many good things. I'm talking about good things that we just pack on and on and on. And we're just, you know, on the utter edge, screening edge of not being able to add anything and certainly not being able to make a lot of changes and having a lot of unforeseen, shall we call them interruptions? <laughs> It's one of the reasons I just admire foreign missionaries so much. You know, you don't go to the mission field and and tell people of other cultures, I don't care the way you talk. This is what I'm doing. I don't care what your customs are. We've already planned this. No, no. You go to, because they'll go, I don't know where you came from, but you can just go back there. I really don't want to hear anything you have to say. You know, who are you representing? Jesus who? No. Missionaries go into other cultures and, the, and like the first rule, I mean, even on a short-term mission trip, what do they do? You know, they get you, it's kind of like if you're on a, like a, a, a boat cruise or something, they get you in and show you the life raft, you know, what's that called, the mustering station? There's kind of a mustering point at a short-term missions uh, conference where they basically say this, flexibility. <laughs> you can't go with us 
unless you are flexible. This means there will be lots of things you don't understand. This means there will be lots of things you don't want to do. This means that all our best laid plans sometimes have to go in the trash can because it just doesn't fit the culture. It is not necessarily what God wants to do, and it may not be what our host people want to do. So, could we type A American people going to, say, Latin America, Manaville? could we basically just chill out and be flexible, be moldable, be non-judgmental? You know, sometimes I'll have people come to me and they'll say, I want to be a missionary. I say, that's really great. So, let me ask you. <laughs> um, you been talking to anybody about Jesus around here? No. <laughs> you been like, in dealing in some mercy or? <laughs> no. You talk the Bible to anybody? No. But I just feel that it would be basically so romantic to go be a missionary. It's like, I tell you what, that may be exactly what God has you to do, but why don't we just do that, that steadiness thing for a while? And, and why don't we just kind of do that moldability thing here for a while? You know, so that, why don't, we, why, don't we, why don't we say that what we do is less important than who we are in Christ by His grace and who we are as He is growing us to be able to do whatever the next thing is. What's not worry about a man from Macedonia right now? Now, that may be offensive to somebody who just wants to take off and go to the mission field uh, without being molded, but I think I find it very comforting because not all of us want to just, you know, change our lives totally and go do something radical. Some of us really would like to know, what does God want us to do right here? And God wants to mold people who want to open their lives and, and, and have a softness this text is one of the biggest moments in all of human history. You know, you, you read through the book of Acts, and there's just so much history there, and people have commented as we've gone through this series, man, there's a lot, I'm learning some history, because this is the history book of the New Testament. This and the Gospels, you know, is kind of the, the account of what's going on, and Luke is writing the account. And, and there are these moments that we don't realize how important they are. This is one of those uh, one of the scholars, Longenecker, says, authentic turning points in history are very few. Surely the Macedonian vision ranks high among the turning points in all history. Because of Paul's willingness and obedience at this point, the gospel went west to Europe and the Western world was evangelized. Guys, our text... Acts 16 that we're looking at, 6 through 10. This is when the gospel came to Europe. And anybody that knows about history understands how important the gospel coming to Europe became for the Christian movement. In fact, there are people who say that Christianity is a Western religion. I mean, they have no clue, evidently, that Christianity came from Jerusalem. But we understand why they call it a Western religion, don't we? Because the West became that place of powerful gospel witness and most of the missionaries to the rest of the world came from the West. This was the moment that that happened. Before the gospel came to Europe, before all of that, you know what this was? This was an attitude in the heart of one man. 
This was a heart attitude in Paul's life who was willing to be bounced around and remain steady. Who was willing to be molded by God and shaped to be able to be called in a dream to take the gospel to Europe. And we sitting here are the direct beneficiaries of that walk with God and that steadiness and that flexibility or softness before God. So, are you flexible? Maybe you say, I don't know. Um, Are you willing to be led? Maybe a few questions we could ask ourselves would be, um, have we considered recently, if if there's anybody in our sphere that God might want us to love, if we saw anybody within our reach that had a need, and were we too busy for that? And I mean, it's not like we're going to look for them, you know, somewhere on the, the other side of the county or something. But they're there. They're there. It's an intriguing thing to think about, isn't it? That right now, there are inter, what we call intersections of life available by, by the Spirit's work in our lives. And, and the question is, hey, are we open to that? Are we willing to step into somebody's life? And, and gospel ministry is really messy, isn't it? You step into some life, I mean, you know, it, you may not come back for a while. But that's okay. Somebody needs to step in. We don't do chronic for a while. But are you willing to love somebody? Um, is there a particular person that God wants you to reach out to? There are people in, right now who just had somebody come into their mind. You need, to, you need to wrestle about not reaching out to that person if that just happened to you. Um, you know, is there, is there some particular ministry that God wants you to be a part of? And you're just too busy or too something to do it, and you know He wants you to do it. Is there something God wants you to stop doing? You know, that, that some active, something that He wants you to stop doing to be able to do something. In other words, are we flexible? Are we moldable by the Spirit of God? So Paul stays steady, he stays soft. You see, it's not just about the man of Macedonia. It's not just about this, this like, um, vision. It's a lot of preparation before we get there. And the last thing is, is that step by step, God will guide you and he will guide me. God just doesn't show us the future. That's probably a good thing. I mean, I think sometimes we would want him to show us the future. I think if you thought real long and hard about it, maybe you don't want to know the future. Um, but what does he show us? Proverbs 16.9 says that basically he directs our steps. He kind of just shows us the next baby step that he wants us to take. That's comforting. How do, how do you learn the will of God? The answer is step by step. I mean, isn't it great that you don't have to have like spiritual antennas out to here that everything's not a matter of, you know, some frequency of a Macedonian call. Some things are a matter of that. And Paul shows us that in, in his life as well. But sometimes it's when you get bounced here, you just go west here. God's sending me here. Let's do this here. Let's minister to this person. Let's love that person step by step. And God's no to Asia and Bithynia becomes a yes to Europe. So what if you get no's in your life? You know, so what if, if you don't get accepted to the college you want to get accepted to? I mean, your life's not over, is it? Step by step. Come on. 
So what if you didn't get that job? So what if she or he said no to a marriage proposal? I mean, when I say so what, I don't mean like trivial. Like that kind of so what. I mean, what do you do when, when you get a no? You know, I know the cheesy, trite thing is God closes a door, he opens a window. But there's something true about that. If it's step by step, it's okay. If we have to know the future or we're frozen, it's not okay. I'm very encouraged by this passage. Is it okay to learn this step by step in your life? Sometimes you just keep living. You just keep going. Sometimes you don't know. There are a lot of normal days in our lives, basically. Just a lot of normal days. I mean, you wake up, you eat your meal, you go to work, you do what you do, you know, you watch a little TV, you do this, and you go to bed. If you got kids, you put them to bed, you get up, you do the same thing again. I mean, isn't that kind of the way life... I mean, you know, you can customize that sentence to fit your life, but isn't that kind of what life is like? And there's just a lot of ordinary days, normal days. But, but you know... If we walk with the Lord, He is growing us, and as He is growing us, we're prepared for opportunities that open up before us. You know, there was a radio channel um, that appeared recently on our radio dial. My, one of my daughters told me about it because we both share a, a love for the Beatles. Uh, I think it was 92.9, and it was, and it's gone all of a sudden. I tried to find it a couple of days ago or a week ago or something. It's gone. I don't know why it disappeared. But it was an all-Beatles, all-the-time station. Now, I'm digging an all-Beatles, all-the-time station. I know, I'm so 60s, 70s, and 80s, and out-of-date and all that. The most uncool pastor you'll ever meet. Um, I own that. I own that. I love that. Um, but you know, I was listening to the Beatles all Beatles, all the time station. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember Hey Jude and I Want to Hold Your Hand and all these songs, just like you do. But you know the thing that shocked me, listening to the all Beatles, all the time station? All the songs that were awful that I'd forgotten about. It's like the Beatles. The Beatles put out thousands of songs and they had lots of hits, but for every 1,000 songs they put out, maybe they had... You know, 20 hits. I don't know what the ratio is. And I'm just forgetting how the Beatles failed so much. And how there were, things would come on the radio and people would go, and we need a dislike button on Facebook, by the way. Um, <laughs> people would come on the radio and, they, and, and the, the songs, and they go, that, that's not any good. It's like, dude, that's the Beatles. Well, that's my point. If the Beatles fail all the time, and life's really ordinary for the Beatles to have a few, you know, peak experiences in music. You read biographies, and, and, and you, you, you get this sense. I love biographies. My favorite part of biographies is not, I kind of already know what they did, you know, whether they're an artist or a politician or a scientist or an explorer or whatever. So... The whole reason I'm either watching a documentary or reading a book is I already kind of know what they did. So I'm, I'm not as tuned into that. You know what I'm tuned into? I'm tuned in to these moments of failure and loss, kind of lostness. Have you ever noticed that when you read a biography? Or you watch a biography, like a documentary, 
what, what, you, what you see in this is you read a lot, about a lot of daily life, a, a lot of failure, a lot of uncertainty, usually this moment of truth. On the way to some of these things happening, I'll tell you, on the All Joseph All the Time channel called My Life, I'm not sure I like that radio channel, there's a lot, there, there, there's a lot of ordinariness. There are not many hits on that channel. <laughs> what about yours? There's a lot of living. There's a lot of relationship. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of trusting. And there is a lot of laughing. And Joe, I'm talking about yours, not mine. What about your life? Just walk with the Lord. Just live in His love and His truth every day and give that love and truth to other people step by step. That's how He grows us. That's how He shapes us. That's how He makes us to be the person that He can say, come over here and do this in a more specific call. It is who we are becoming before it's what we are going to be about doing. And I end with Proverbs 3.6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your paths, all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. Do you believe that? Everybody here is important. Everybody here, God has a plan for our lives. It's a redemptive plan, not only to you, it's a redemptive plan through you. Let's stay steady in the grace of God. Stay soft. And step by step, He will guide you. Let's pray. Lord, would you allow us to, for some of us, just to kind of take the pressure off that we put on ourselves about what we ought to be doing. For others of us, Lord, that are so busy that we're not even considering what we might else do or do instead, would you just cause us to pause Lord, would you give us a heart for the dailiness of just walking with you and loving people and ministering in your name? Would you create a softness and a moldability in the hearts of your people and even your people who are called highlands? Lord, if we were more moldable, what might you do in this area of Mississippi, and even to the ends of the earth. What might you do? Please do that for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.